This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Hey, y'all. Who dat? And welcome in. My name is Jeff Nowak. This is Inside Black and Gold, a post-game edition. I am coming at you solo after the Saints took down the Titans in a bizarre score, 16-15. to And, you know, it was a white knuckle game. It wasn't pretty. It was rarely pretty. But, you know, the only number that matters is 1-0. And that's what we got. So first things first, I do want to say I apologize. We didn't miss an episode this week. As you can see, I am here at my home. I did not go out to the Dome today. I've been sidelined with COVID all week. Still, you could probably hear it in my voice a little bit. But I'm feeling mostly better, so I have enough in the tank to do this. But... I'm not going to use that as an excuse for why I sound terrible. I'm just bad at this. Anyway, so we're going to do this the way we typically would. So I'm going to go through my kind of three up, three down column, which is live on WWL.com. If you want to go check it out and follow along. So basically, the first segment is going to be all the positive stuff that I'm going to highlight. Second segment is going to be some of the negative stuff. You can probably imagine one of the topics we're going to get into uh, in Trevor Penning, which did not go well. <laughs> let's, let's put it that way. And then in the final segment, we're going to get into a mailbag. But without further ado, let's get into it. The three up for this segment is going to be, you know, there's a lot of pot for a game that was as ugly as it was at points. There are a lot of positives to pull out of this game, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Y'all, Derrick Henry was held to, I want to say, 11 yards rushing in the second half of this game. Derrick Henry, he rushed the ball 15 times for 63 yards total. He had at least 51 after the first half. I'd have to go back and check. I think he had 56 yards receiving in the first half. And he didn't have any in the second half. So you look at this and you say, okay, the Saints defense, the the group that we knew going in, we're going to have to lean on for this team to be successful. Man, did they do it. They forced turnovers. They got stops. They got pressure. Carl Granderson, I thought, had an excellent game. We're going to get into that. But the first one I want to highlight is just 
the defensive backfield, the defensive secondary, I'm, it's kind of a cop-out to say the entire defensive secondary is a stock-up player for me. But I don't think it's fair to single any of them out. Marshawn Lattimore had a great game. I thought Paulson Adebo had a great game. Both of them had interceptions. I thought Alante Taylor had some rough moments in the slot. But all in all, he did not get taken advantage of. I mean, how could he have been? The Titans didn't score a touchdown the entire game. Right. So he had moments. There was one play where he tried to undercut the ball. It didn't go very well. He didn't get there. And there was a big play on the back end. But it was a very much a bend but don't break situation. He had a lot of nice PBUs. He made one really nice tackle on Derrick Henry in the hole that if he doesn't make that, I think Derrick Henry goes eight, 10 yards at a big moment in that game. And instead, it was a two, three yard loss with Demario Davis helping to clean it up. And that's the th- that's what you like out of Alante Taylor. He's fearless. He's going to make those plays. He's going to take those chances. Sometimes they're not going to work out for him, but he's just that type of player. Marcus May, I thought, played well. Tyron Matthew played well. He had one really nice uh, play on Tajay Spears where he just read it out of the backfield. It was a throw into the flat, and he just ate it up. Marcus May had an interception on a ball tipped down from Isaac Yadam, who was in the game with Marshawn Latimer going out for a play. So, you know, we've seen that happen in the past, in the playoffs against the Vikings, if you recall. Marshawn Latimer went out of the game, Patrick Robinson came in, and Kirk Cousins found Adam Thielen down the field for a big play, uh, taking advantage of the absence of Marshawn Latimer. Ryan Tannehill tried to do the same thing today, but Isaac Yadam held his ground, knocked the ball down to Marcus May, and you had an interception and a turnover and a big swing in that game. Ugo Amadi at one point had to come on the field with Alante Taylor dealing with some sort of calf injury. And he immediately makes a pass breakup on third down, knocks the ball. That could have been an interception. So, I mean, you can go up and down this group. Lonnie Johnson made a couple nice stops on special teams. I mean, the defensive backfield in this game was fantastic. They're going against, I wouldn't say the best passing attack in the NFL, but I would say a good enough passing attack that can hurt you. If you, if you don't hold your own, if you are not physical. And it's also a team that if you cannot shut down the passing game and you have to devote more people into the secondary, then Derrick Henry is going to eat your lunch. So I just thought from, <laughs> from every position in the secondary, the Saints dominated and <laughs> you needed him to. Now, Paulson Adebo, I do have questions about his technique sometimes. He gets a little handsy and you saw that on a play where the ball was tipped at the line they call defensive holding. One of my pet peeves <laughs> when I watch NFL games is how it's hmm, for some reason, w- once the ball gets tipped at the line, that defensive pass interference call becomes defensive holding when it was probably not defensive holding until the ball got tipped. Um, I think it's just a cop out play. There were a few play. There are a few refereeing decisions in this game. that didn't make a lot of sense to me. There was a throw to Juwan Johnson that after about, I don't know, a minute became an incomplete pass which is like, okay, the ref looked up at the Jumbotron and saw the replay and overturned it. And it's like, sure, you got the call right. That's not how it's supposed to work. And the Titans did not have any challenges at that point. So them overturning that play was the only way it was getting overturned. So they they corrected the call on the field with the benefit of replay, but they're not supposed to have the benefit of replay unless you replay it. Anyway, I'll, I'll digress. I didn't think the officials were that bad. They gave, they gave the Saints a couple of very, very generous reviews. Um, so I'm not going to question it. That, that pass by Derek Carr, <laughs> that was a fumble. I think we could all sit here and agree that was a fumble. 
and the Saints got the better of it. So, you know, you take some, you lose some. Either way. But I just thought, you know, from Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Debo, Alante Taylor, all these players we have been talking about all throughout camp, I thought they all showed up today, and they played excellently. Next player on my list, Carl Granderson. He had a one and a half sacks. That only begins to describe the impact he had on today's game. He was in the backfield all day. I mean, he was just destroying the pocket for Ryan Tannehill. Whether he got there or not, he was creating sacks for other people. I want to say Cam Jordan's sack was a direct product of him just living in the backfield. There was one play on third down that he won't even get credit for a sack, but he had a spin move that was so fierce it threw the right tackle at least six yards out of the play, and he was able to just eat Ryan Tannehill. We talked a lot about Carl Granderson throughout camp. I wasn't sure if it was kind of a mirage what we were seeing because – we know Trevor Penning has been struggling, so is it just a product of going against Trevor Penning every day in practice and knowing how to beat him? But no, I think you saw today against, you know, what I would argue is a suspect offensive line for the Titans as well, and we'll get into the offensive line for the Saints in the next segment. You know, I thought Carl Granderson had a great day. I thought the def- defensive line had a great day. I think the entire defense <laughs> had a great day. I don't know where you point to on this defense and say, man, that is a struggle point, Right. There were there were in the first half, I think they had a hard time containing the physicality of a Derrick Henry, which I mean, most teams can't. But, you know, they started to devote more bodies to the interior. Demario Davis, I felt like had a monster day tackling Derrick Henry. Um, There was one point that he just blew him up on a blitz pickup. And yeah, technically, Derrick Henry won that rep. But I think when you knock Derrick Henry off to the side, you win whether you whether it was the result of the play or not. And uh, anyway, I thought Carl Granderson had a solid day, and you know it, it's I've been waiting ever since Trey Hendrickson left the building. I have been waiting for a player to show up opposite Cam Jordan to make his life easier. This is a guy who shows up every day. He plays the run. He does all the dirty work. I think he batted down back to back passes at one point today. He's always there. He's always getting the job done, but. When he can get, when they can double him with no issue, when they know there's nothing coming from the opposite side, that's a problem. So it was good to see him, uh, Carl Grandison, really kind of come into his own. He just keeps getting better. You know, every year you just see him improve and improve and improve. And I think you're going to see a good season out of him. I, I could see double digit sacks for him, no question. Now, we did see, I thought Peyton Turner looked good early in this game, got hurt. that's always the bugaboo for Peyton Turner. Hopefully it's nothing serious. It came on a play where he was kind of getting blocked and he reached out and grabbed Ryan Tannehill's shoulder. Um, And he affected the play. It was a nice play by Peyton. I wonder if maybe he extended something as he was reaching. I don't know. He did not come back into the game. Hopefully that's something that's not going to keep him out for an extended period. But who knows? The track record would indicate that injuries are going to be a problem for him. So we'll have to see. Isaiah Foskey wasn't, was a healthy scratch for this game, as were two other rookies, Nick Saldaveri and A.T. Perry. The other rookie that was a scratch was Kendra Miller, who is dealing with an injury. So that's four of the Saints rookies were healthy scratches. I know there was a lot of angst early on about, oh, why is Isaiah Foskey not out there? He's the number 40 overall pick. He can't be a healthy scratch. Well, you had four healthy defensive ends in front of him. Now, if Peyton Turner's hurt, there's going to be there's going to be snaps to be had. So hopefully, you know, they could figure something out there. Um, but I, I expect we'll see Isaiah Foskey next week. The next player on this list, and we'll have a couple honorable mentions. 
And there, there were a few to pick from, right? Like there, there was some fits and starts on offense. You saw Mike Thomas get into the action early, then kind of disappear. You saw a slow start for Chris Olave. You saw a fumble right out of the gates from Rashid Shahid. But I thought what you saw from Chris Olave throughout the game, the way he asserted himself in the second half of that game, he went over 100 yards receiving. It seemed like every big moment, he's able to just create space. He's able to find ways to not just get open, to be by himself. And <laughs> I've been waiting for someone to be able to get open like that for the last several years. Chris Olave did it last year. I don't know if he did it consistently enough. He, obviously, Derek Carr was not there last year. But you know, when, when you see him be able to just create yards of space that you can just lob it to him, and it is a for sure first down plus. You know, that's just something that you cannot replicate across the league. There's only five or 10 players, I'd say, in the NFL that can create separation the way he does. And, you know, he's just going to get better and better. The connection with him and Derek Carr is going to get better and better. Hopefully the protection is going to get better so he can sit, so Carr can sit in the pocket and go through his progressions, which he was not able to today. A couple of those throws to Chris Olave were just sheer, you know, make it work, you know, make a guy miss and find him downfield and, you know, that's what he did. There was that long play where he just kind of got lost in coverage. Um, you know, Chris Olave is going to be the leading receiver on this team. I expect him to go 14, 1500 yards minimum as long as he can stay healthy. And you just kind of want to see it in the game. You want to see it building. You want to see that chemistry building. And that's what you saw today. He also drew a pass interference called downfield that if he was, you know, two, three years down the line in the league, right? If he's Justin Jefferson, he's getting that call. Right. If he's DeAndre Hopkins, he's probably getting that call. Chris Olave is not quite there yet to get that obvious pass interference call that would have been a 40 yard penalty. And instead, I want to say it was a third down. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a drive ender. Right. I think they punted on that uh, on that drive. But, you know, what you saw to him, he's my third stock up player. And, and I thought he was very impressive going down. We have, I have two honorable mentions and. One of them is Rashid Shahid, the other wide receiver who I've been talking about all camp. I feel like everyone's been talking about all camp, at least locally, for whatever reason. No one nationally, and I know this because I just did a bunch of fantasy drafts and I was able to take him like the 15th round, is Rashid Shahid. Everyone locally has been talking about Rashid Shahid. But for whatever reason, like in the national landscape, everyone's like, yeah, 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 sure, 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 sure. Well, we saw it today, you know, after what was probably the worst opening play to a safe season uh, in history. I don't, I don't know if there's ever been a fumble on the opening kickoff of a season before in Saints history. Maybe there has been. I don't remember it. But that's what we had today from Rashid Shahid. He took the opening kickoff. He was going out of bounds. It was a heck of a play by the Titans defender. I can't recall the name. But, you know, there's a few things to say to that. One, and this is what Dennis Allen pointed out, it was the first time he had been tackled in a game since last season. He didn't get tackled in preseason. He didn't play in any of the preseason games. Maybe it was a little bit of shock to his system. Uh, it was it was an ugly moment. It put the Saints in a hole. Thankfully, the defense was able to hold the Titans to a field goal because if they were not, you know, you saw the how tight that game was. If they allow a touchdown there, um, that might be a different game. Even the, even so, it did kind of put the Saints behind the eight ball. It felt like they were pushing a boulder up a hill that entire game. They were playing from behind. All game. They were going uphill all game. And not until Rashid scored a touchdown did it feel like they had finally kind of crested that hill and they were they were going downhill. 
And from that point on, the, the Saints felt like the better team in that game. The Saints felt like they were the more talented team in that game. And they always were. But because of that opening fumble, you, it, just, it just never quite clicked. And because of the protection issues, it never quite clicked. So that's what keeps Rashid kind of in that honorable mention category for me. But you know, I thought he was fantastic. Um, I'd love to see him play with some uh, wider margins. Right. There was, you know, the only reason that the Titans didn't challenge that one catch on the sideline for Rashid is because they had to challenge the opening kickoff because it was initially called out of bounds. Uh, and I think that was that would have been overturned. I think he had a toe on the line. You know, later in the game, he had another play that was, you know, just that narrow of a margin. And I would love to see him, you know, make that a little, a little, little, little less, uh, you know, agita inducing uh, for me personally but you know you see the talent there you see the confidence that Derek Carr has in, in him that the decision to just throw that ball on third and what is it six third and eight whatever it was to you know not quite ice the game he ended up going out of bounds which was disappointing but you know I you don't see the Saints do that in the last year the year before they're gonna punt and they're gonna hope and just to see that happen to see Rashid be the guy on the receiving end of that ball it's cool. And this uh, is just electric. And he's going to one of these days. He's going to finally uh, return one of these kicks uh, for a long way. And I'm just glad I have him in all my fantasy leagues, <laughs> even though that was my my very much homer pick. I even reached for him in like the eighth round in one of my local leagues because I just <laughs> I wanted to have him. I wanted to be right because <laughs> I knew he was going to he's going to be that guy. Anyway, uh, moving on. The last guy on my list, and we can go to the downside is Blake Groupie. Blake Groupie, you know, while he had a great preseason that doesn't always translate. Sometimes you, you see a guy, you see a kicker stand out in the preseason, then show up. He's a different guy in the regular season when there's 70,000 screaming fans, not Blake groupie. Mike Vrabel made sure to test that because there was a play where the saints had third and one with a holding call and the Titans declined it to give them fourth and one, which allowed a 52 yard field goal attempt. If he accepts that penalty, it's third and 11. And this was in the first half when the Titans' defensive line had been teeing off on Derek Carr. You forced the Saints to go back and try to convert third and 11. And even, you know, maybe they do. But, I mean, why would you not allow your defense to get a chance to maybe maybe knock them further out of field goal range, right? I, 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 that was the strangest decision. And the only reason you make that decision is because you're like, that's a rookie kicker. He has never kicked a 50-yard field goal in his career. Let's see if he can do it. And he goes out there and he nails it from 52 yards. And that's just good for him. You know, if you had any questions going in about whether he was, you know, he was a flash in the pan, whether he was a mirage, I think you got it. You know, and I didn't put Lou Headley on my list, but I thought Lou Headley had a solid game too. Didn't do anything spectacular. But as a punter, I just want you to be consistent. I think that was the biggest issue. With Blake, as you would have these great punts, you would have these punts inside the five, but then you would have these crazy shanks because I think he was just trying to do too much. And uh, so I think you saw good stuff out of Lou. I think you saw good stuff out of the special teams groups outside of, you know, a couple penalties and that fumble. But you got a, you got that pump block out of Zach Bond. You know, I just there's a lot to like out of this game, despite what the scoreline <laughs> might indicate. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. I'm Jeff Nowak. This is Inside Black and Gold. We're going to come back. We're going to go through the three down, which are, I don't have a ton. I don't have a ton to criticize. Just one position, position specifically, really, that we're going to get into. But we'll get into that in the next segment. And then we're going to dive into the mailbag to close out the show. Again, we're talking about the Saints beating the Titans 16 to 15 
in week one. This is Inside Black and Gold. Stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. This is a post-game edition. Saints 16, Titans 15. Wow! A season-opening win. What? Except... That's what I thought. Like, man, they finally won a season opening game. And then I look back and I realized the Saints have won their last five week one games, which is crazy to me because for some reason in my head, they always struggle in week one. But lo and behold, I look back and yes, they have won five in a row. Even last year when they were down, what, 16 in the fourth quarter, you know, 38 to three. They beat the they beat the Bucks 20 to 10. Uh, in that, that uh, no, I'm sorry, 30 to 20, I want to say. It was that 2020 game. It was that first Tom Brady game. I can't recall who it was before that, but they won it because this is their fifth consecutive week one victory. I think that is a franchise record, which is kind of crazy. But hey, however it works, they've been some weird week one games for the Saints. 38 to three in Jacksonville last year with that crazy comeback. This year, 16 to 15. How, how does that score even happen, right? Uh, well, it's with five field goals because the Titans kicked five field goals. Nick Folk, a guy who wasn't even on the roster until about three days ago, uh, kicked five field goals uh, for the. They won five for five. So good for Nick Folk. If you're the Titans, you're like, man, well, we we found a kicker. Anyway, I'm Jeff Nowak. We're gonna dive into the three down for the New Orleans Saints after their Week One win, and and I think we all saw this coming. At least you know after the game, I, I was my my. Three things to watch post going in kind of projected this, which was, you know, are the lines ready? Is the offensive line ready to take on what I would consider to be a top five defensive front? Jeffrey Simmons is a great defensive tackle. You know, if Aaron Donald didn't exist, we would be having an argument with like, okay, Jeffrey Simmons and like three other guys is like, who is the top defensive tackle in the league? He's very, very good. And it's just difficult to kind of gauge because he's technically an end in the three, four and whatever. But that is a very talented defensive front is very difficult to run against and is very difficult to pass protect against, at least uh, to some extent, if you are Trevor Penning and, you know, going in, we knew the he's basically a rookie, right? Like you can say he's a second year pro. He missed virtually his whole rookie season. Uh, with multiple injuries, he got one start at left tackle in that season finale, and then he hurt his foot, and then he missed a majority of the preseason, at least you know OTAs and minicamp, and he was out there for all of training camp. He played in the preseason. 
Uh, he didn't play in the finale. And that was what I was kind of concerned about. I was like, why not? Why, why isn't he playing in the preseason finale? Because from what I have seen, he's still a little raw. And I think that kind of played out today. Uh, Derek Carr, you know, I, I don't have the number right in front of me. Let's see. Derek Carr was sacked four times in this game. He was hit two, six, seven, eight times. Derek Carr was hit eight times. A majority of that was in the first half. And we saw Arden Key really giving him fits. And I think when you watch Trevor Penning, the physicality is never going to be an issue for him. You're not going to see him get bull rushed up into the line. He's a guy who I just think gets a little antsy. He gets a little antsy and sometimes he cheats too far outside and then he gets beat with a double move inside. He gets... You know, he, he doesn't step back quick enough. He's a little too shallow, and then he gets beat to the outside. And I think the speed rushers in the NFL are going to give him a hard time. And that's what you saw with Arden Key. Arden Key is not really disguising anything. He's just going to go with speed, and he's going to try to get around you. And Trevor just couldn't handle it, um, at least not in the first half. And, you know, one of the things I tweeted during this game is, why are we not giving Trevor any help? And I think, you know, at a certain point, it's on the coaching. Because you know who this guy is. You know where he is developmentally and you just got to not put him in positions to fail and I think after after the first couple times you got beat clean maybe maybe send someone over there to chip right and I think at halftime you made some adjustments and you came out in the second half and he was able to protect a little better you were able to create you were able to generate time not necessarily a perfect pocket but you were able to generate lanes for Derek Carr to at least step up through so that he was not getting blindsided by Arden Key the entire second half. And, you know, the offense kind of woke up a little bit. You saw a touchdown drive. You know, you saw time for Derek Carr to operate and take advantage of his weapons downfield. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of kind of be a week-to-week thing, right? You're going to have to get creative with Trevor Penning and how you send help to his side, how you adjust the protection so that he is not on an island because teams are going to attack him, especially up to this office. They're going to attack him. And, you know, I'm not I'm not out on Trevor Penning. The coaching staff isn't out on Trevor Penning. I assure you, they're not going to bench Trevor Penning. They're not going to go into week two and say, okay, we're moving James Hurst outside and we're starting Andres Pete. He's going to get his chance. He's a first-round pick. They're going to give him opportunities to develop. He needs to get better. And if you're wondering whether I'm making that up, here's what Dennis Allen had to say after the game. From Trevor Penning? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not concerned. Um, this guy's going to be a good player. Um, you got a young guy that's playing against a extremely good front. So uh, does he have to get better? Absolutely. Um, am I concerned? No. Um, I think we just keep our head down and keep going to work. Um, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep getting better and we'll make our evaluations, you know, when we get to the seat, end of the season, see where we're at. But um, I think this kid's going to be just fine. Yeah, and, and I mean <laughs> – Hopefully you can get to the end of the season with Trevor Penning at left tackle and and be like, okay, this is where we make our evaluation in terms of next year and the year beyond. Hopefully you're not halfway through the season and like Derek Carr's getting murdered. How do can we can we afford to keep him in there? You're not you're not at that point yet. Yes, the first half was rough. It's week one. Um my one of the things I always say is, you know, you're no team is as good as they look on their best week or as bad as they look on their worst week. And it's the same thing with week one. I mean, you saw the Saints go out there and beat the Packers 38-3 to week one. That Packers team went to the NFC Championship and the Saints missed the playoffs, right? So don't overreact to week one. 
you know, this is really the first game that you can look at and be like, okay, this is a competitive, actual live bullets game that Trevor Penning has had to survive. You know, you can talk about week 18, that Panthers game. I felt like everyone was playing at half speed. I, I don't even know if that's, that, that was closer to a preseason game than a regular season game. I think you're going to look at this film. You're going to work on it. And hopefully next week he can get better. But my, the problem is that that Panthers defensive line always gives the Saints fits. What I will say is they have an extra day. It's a Monday night game. They have an extra day to, to, to work on this stuff. Hopefully, hopefully that, that helps. But yeah, stock definitely down on Trevor. If you were going in hoping that he would star, that he would look great. My biggest issue was where was he in the run game? You know, I like that's kind of always been my thing is like he's not going to be the perfect pass protection left tackle, but he is supposed to be a mauler. He is supposed to create lanes. He is supposed to make life a lot easier on the running back. Didn't do that today. There was one play that he got whiffed, he whiffed and, and got a, bl- a run blown up in the backfield. And it's just, you, you can't do that. So hopefully, uh, you know, I'm, again, I'm not out on Trevor Penning, but my stock is definitely a little bit down and he's a guy who I need to see play better next week. Um, going forward again, there's not a ton. I don't have a ton of down players. I think that you actually saw this this team perform pretty well, and it was the offensive line failing that torpedoed a lot of very good things for this offense. You didn't see a ton of drops. You didn't, you know, <laughs> you did see one really bad interception that Derek Carr was asked about after the game. He said he was just being an idiot, that he was just frustrated and trying to make a hero throw, and he and he threw it right to the defensive back in a situation where the Saints could have kicked a field goal right before halftime to tie the game. And so they went down nine, six. So, you know, he, 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 yeah, it was exactly what you thought it was. It was just a dumb throw at a bad moment. Um, but you know, you didn't, you didn't see that every, uh, like across the board, you saw it in spurts, but one guy I, I am a little down on in terms of, you know, if you, I was kind of hoping to see a big Jamal Williams game today, and you didn't get it. You know, and it, it's kind of harsh on Jamal. I don't think Jamal was put in a great situation. The offensive line in general. You know, we can talk about Trevor Penning. I was disappointed in every that the entire offensive line. Eric McCoy, I thought, had a rough day. He had at least one penalty. He got beat for a sack. You know, he didn't open holes in the run game. Uh, Caesar Ruiz. You know, I, I didn't see anything terrible, but he wasn't really doing much in the run game. James Hurst, same thing. Ryan Ramchick, same thing. And Jamal Williams, you know, I think he ended up with, what, 45 yards on 18 carries. You know, it's about a 2.5 average. And that 11-yard run that actually brought that average up came at the end of the game, that that run that iced the game. And, you know, he, he he's a gamer. You know, he did what he was asked to do. I don't think he enjoyed that game very much. I think that was a very frustrating game for him. There were no holes to run through. It wasn't like he was missing lanes. There were no lanes. And, you know, some running backs a little slippier, a little more slippery and can maybe sneak through these tiny crevices that the Saints offensive line was generating. Jamal's not that guy. Jamal is a bruiser. And you need to create some lanes for him to run through or at least get him a point where he can get up ahead of steam and run through a guy and that just didn't exist. You couldn't get it done. And so that's not just on Jamal. That is on the offensive line. The, the, the big criticism I have for Jamal is when, when you get a first down, and you're going to ice the game. 
that ball can't get punched out, dude. <laughs> you cannot allow that ball to get punched out. And that is what happened on that last play. Thankfully, it bounced back to him when he was able to keep it. But it's not, you know, it wasn't the banner Jamal Williams day. He'll have better days, but it wasn't the banner Jamal Williams day I was hoping for. So in the sense that we've kind of now have an idea of just how much of a struggle it'll be to run the ball without Alvin Kamara, the stock is down a little bit on, on Jamal in the run game. I was disappointed we didn't see more Tony Jones. I, I would have liked to see more of a change up there. Hopefully next week we can get Kendra Miller back and maybe that will help grease the skids in terms of you have a guy who can do some more things. They really didn't use Jamal in the passing game at all. That surprised me. I thought you'd have at least four or five targets to him. He had two catches and neither was very inspiring. So, you know, that's something that maybe next week if they have Kendra out there, they can use him more in the passing game and just open things up. The Panthers aren't going to be nearly as stout against the run. They are going to have a good pass rush. Uh, so that'll be something to watch. The last player on my stock down. And again, you know, this is scraping the bottom of the barrel, but it's Keith Kirkwood. And it's all about one play because it's a play you cannot have, which is late in the game. You are trying to ice the clock. You are trying to burn the clock and you have a great play call. You do an end around to Rashid Shahid. You get a first down and it's an, it's a offensive hold on the wide receiver downfield. And you just can't do that, man. If you're a veteran player, you are on this team because you are expected to not make dumb plays like that, right? Like you could have a, if, if you want a, a rookie to show up and do stupid stuff to have a rookie, you don't have the veteran around because <laughs> you're expecting him to, to make these dumb plays at big moments. And that was what that was. And so, you know, I thought that going throughout the entire preseason, I was really impressed with his consistency, with his maturity. And, you know, that's the moment where you're like, man, this is where we need you. You're here because you can block and because you can do stuff like that and you can be trusted. It's like when Mark Ingram showed up last year and started fumbling. It's like, dude, the only reason you're here is because we we don't we think thought you're not going to do that. So, you know, stock is a little bit down there. I still think he's going to be he's going to own it. He's going to get better. Um, but that was a that was a rough play for him. But hey, it set up a really cool Rashid moment. So maybe it was a it was a blessing in disguise. But I mean, that's that's about it. You know, if there's any other stock down players, throw them in the comments and we can get to them in the in the mailbag. If you have anybody that you thought, you know, had a particularly rough day. But, you know, again, I'm going to go through the film tomorrow when I'll get a closer look at some of these plays. I just I feel like, you know, from the there was a couple rough penalties on the defensive backs, right? That that defensive hold on Paulson was rough. I think Marcus May had a pass interference. But even the even these plays were like, meh. You know, there were close calls. Like, I just think across the board, this was a very well-played game um, on both sides. And, you know, when when you have a game with margins that tight, you need that. And that then the team that played better won that game. And, uh, and that's what we had. But all right, let's wrap that up. We're going to come back. We're going to get into a mailbag. If you have any other questions, throw them in there. I'm going to hit the break here. And we're going to come back and we're going to dive into the Saints-Titans mailbag. Saints 16, Titans 15. Saints 1-0. Yeah, this is Inside Black and Gold. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. This is our post-game edition, and this will be our post-game mailbag Saints 16 Titans 15 that score just looks weird <laughs> it's just not a score you get to uh, very easily I doubt it's a score Gami but 
you know, it's probably not a very common one. First things first, Marco Hernandez over here. We're going to dive in the mailbag, but he does want me to mock Nick Wright because he's just loud and angry and mean about the Saints because he knows that people get all worked up about it. I've decided I'm just not going to reply to him anymore on Twitter uh, because, you know, that's, all, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to, trying, to, trying, to be, trying to be annoying. But, you know, I think, I think the, the NFC South actually uh, uh, handled itself pretty well today. They've been the punching bag, right? This, the NFC South has been the punching bag of every national broadcast, of every division out there being like, ah, rah, rah, rah. it's kind of like the old NFC West Remember back when the Seahawks won it with a losing record? We don't need to get into what they did in the playoffs. But, you know, the, the Bucks, Bucks won. Bucks beat the Vikings. Good for them. I don't know how. I definitely have to go back and watch what happened there. But, man, if you're a Vikings fan, whew, that's got to be, that's got to be, it's got to be painful. It's got to be painful. The only NFC South team that lost today lost in a matchup to another NFC South team. I think the Panthers lost to the Falcons. So the NFC South went three and one when the only lost kind of a cannibalized game because you can't go, the, the whole division can't go undefeated when they play each other. That's just, you know, that's, that's math. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if you're uh, an NFC South truther, then uh, you feel pretty good. Nick Wright's an idiot. So I don't, I don't really care what he said. Um, he's still, he's still trying to do the math, but let's, let's go on to, uh, let's go on to some other things. Brian, Tanya, I think you hit the nail on the head here. <laughs> Just, I don't care how crappy the win is. It's a win. And and yes, there's a there's another one. Let's see. That was similar that I want to that I'll highlight. Uh, maybe I didn't. But someone basically said this game. Oh, here it is right here. Last son of Odin says you knew playing the Titans was going to be a rock fight. Take the win and move on. Exactly. This was always going to be an ugly game. There was no way around it. <laughs> you had to just find a way. And that's what the Saints did, right? Like there was, you know, that first half, they couldn't block anybody. They couldn't run the ball. Couldn't get any time for Derek Carr. The defense was showing up. The defense was causing havoc. They gave up some yards in the middle of the field, but they never surrendered anything in the red zone. They were constantly getting after Ryan Tannehill. They, they, caught, they forced three turnovers. They forced three interceptions. One of them was Isaac Yadam just patting the ball down to Marcus May. They didn't have three. They didn't get their third interception last year until week 13. They had three a day. And, you know, I, I, I think it, there's a mentality here, right? They've been very vocal about forcing turnovers, about that being an emphasis. They're not going to settle for just tackling. They're going to scrape the ball. They didn't force any fumbles today, but those will come and, Oh man, doesn't doesn't football just feel like a much easier game when when the turnovers are there, right? Uh, they won the they I think they won the turnover margin. Uh, it's it's tough because that one at the beginning, yeah, I think they won it three to two. Let's see, yeah, they did. They won it three. They won it three to two, and you know that's a difference in the game, right? I mean, it, I don't know. It's uh, it was an ugly game. You won it. You move on. If they can win nine ugly games this year, I'm happy. I don't need 40 to three wins, although it would be nice to have one of those thrown in so so we can at least celebrate something exciting. All right. It's free mind here with a, uh, what I would say, kind of a mind brain, a galaxy brain kind of idea. Elante Taylor played bad. Now, I understand why, you, why you'd say this. 
I think Alante Taylor had a couple moments where you were like, man, he looks lost. And I think that he was at points. Remember, he's not a slot corner. This is a new position to him. And it's not one that he spent a ton of time at throughout camp. He was competing on the outside with Paulson Adebo and taking third team slot corner reps. He wasn't even taking backup reps. That was Ugo Amadi. Because you knew he was going to be the backup. Uh, and Bradley Roby was in those first team reps. That was my only great major issue with them moving on from Bradley Roby is you waited way too long to do it. If you were going to move on from him, you why weren't you getting Alante Taylor those first team reps so that when he got into week one, he'd be ready. And so instead, you kind of have this trial by fire here. And you saw a guy who I think is getting better. But he's still, the instincts are a little raw again I, I think there was that again I'll point to that play where he tried to undercut the ball and it's not I don't I don't hate the idea I don't hate the idea of being a ball hawk there I think he could have got there but he took a bad angle and he lost track of the receiver if he just shadows the receiver right and plays his hands then he can go for the ball and worst case scenario knock it away the way he went for it just set up a huge play and I think I can't remember who got back to make that tackle but thankfully they did you know it, you're going to take the good with the bad with Alante. Now, remember, I mean, everyone talks about CJ as if he was this monster slot corner his entire career. He had his struggles, particularly as a rookie. Um, like, he always struggled to cover Chris Godwin in the slot. I mean, like, there was, it's a very difficult position to adjust to. And so, you know, I, I don't think he was the best corner on the field today, but he made some big plays. Again, I'll, I'll point to that Derrick Henry tackle where he just met him in the hole and, and, and stopped him to the point that DeMario Davis could get there and clean it up. You don't see Derrick Henry get tackled for loss very often, especially not when the play is stretched out. You see Derrick Henry put his hand out and stiff arm defensive backs into the dirt. I think Marcus May was on the, was the victim of one of those in this game. And, and so like, that's, those are the type of plays that, that, that I like to see. And I don't know, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a sucker for effort. I'm a sucker for energy. And he brings that. Um, So I don't know, like, you're not going to be perfect, especially when you're putting a guy in a new position and, and you're asking him to learn on the job. But I don't think he played that poorly. I, uh, I'm I'm, in, I'm interested to watch the film for Alante and to kind of see. But again, the slot's a tough position to play, and I think he did fine. Marco Hernandez again. Brazil was eating up all type of tackles, and Granderson was free all game. Yeah, I thought that, you know, the defensive interior I have a soft spot for because I feel like they just don't get enough credit because uh, they don't do stuff that gets recorded you know you don't get a stat for eating a double team but that's like if you can force a double team as a defensive tackle it's like man you're 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 great you know that's that's like what you are they're hoping you can do is to occupy two defenders and and it's just not a glamorous job right and so i thought you know malcolm roach i thought had a solid day um and brian brzee you know he's more in the pass rush part of the game right i know he got through for at least one uh, sack. I think that was late in the first half. You know, I, I, I'm going to have to go through and look at the tape to kind of get a good indicator of when he was on the field and and what his snap counts were. Again, I watched this game from home. I was not at the game because I've been dealing with COVID all week. And, you know, I figured it was that was a good idea to not bring it all bring it all there in a room building with 70,000 people. Um, so I didn't get as good of as the, the look that I would have liked to from the sidelines. But I will next week. I'll be out there in Carolina, Bank of America Stadium. I'm excited to watch a football game in the open air. But no, I, I think, yeah, the defensive interior is a big part of the pass rush. 
even if they're not getting the credit all the time. And and I think Brzee had a fine game. Tony Snow, you can see the potential offensively. We need to get better in the red zone or it will cost Pete his job. Mm, yes, I, I agree with that. It's when you can't run the ball, red zone offense becomes very difficult, <laughs> right? Because, you know, there's just a very compressed part of the field. And if they don't have to devote five players to the line of scrimmage, you know, if they can just drop into coverage and they and you also can't seem to protect when they rush four. Yeah, I mean, I, there's I, you can say that's on Pete. Um, I don't know what the play calls are. Like, I don't think it's a matter of calling better plays. I think it's a matter of executing. And so to me, it's less about what happened in the game as it is about what happens in the week leading up to the game, right? Like, this this needs to be better. The protection needs to be better. The run blocking needs to be better. Maybe you can scheme up some ways for that to happen, but that doesn't happen mid-game. Um, you can only call the plays on your sheet. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Pete called a fine game. You know, I give him very, a lot of credit there at the end of the game because it would have been very easy to go into a shell and run the ball. When you get behind the chains, you're first and 15. I think they ran the ball. It was for, for second and 13. They threw the ball twice. They got first downs. And that cemented that game. I think they lose that game if they punt the ball back. I really do. Because that defense had been on the field a long time. They had just surrendered a long drive. All the Vi- Titans Vikings, Titans had to do was get into field goal range. Nick Folk had gone 5-5. Five five. He's probably making it. He's got a leg. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I give Pete a lot of credit for, for <laughs> having some nails there uh, at the end of the game. Time on my side. Zalave is the one receiver that said the hesitation move from Rashid was sick. You know, Derek Carr said that that was something that they were they were just messing around and did in practice throughout the week, and they actually missed it. <laughs> it didn't work. I mean, it worked to get open, but the, the, he missed it with a throw. But they liked it so much that they threw it in the game plan, and they were just like, hey, we have, we'll, we'll use this at some point. And they did, and it worked. I mean, Rashid, you can just see it. I mean, he's just so smooth. The way he moves... Uh, you know, it's it's funny because last year during training camp, I comped him to Chris Olave in the way that just both these guys are just so smooth with the way they can get in and out of their breaks and they can accelerate. They never look like they're running hard, um, but they're just going, you know, they never look like they're kind of idling out of second gear, but it's just very impressive. And and yeah, every time I see Rashid play, I get more and more impressed. David Weil, were you surprised that Taysom wasn't a larger part of the game plan? <laughs> I would have liked to see them incorporate him in more passing sets. And by that, I mean, you know, when you can't run the ball and you put in a quarterback or, you know, you, and you put him in there to run the ball, it's like, you're, you already are struggling to run the ball. Now you're projecting that you're running the ball and they have no, you know, they're just going to, they're just going to go all in on it. Right. Like they, they are not going to question whether you're going to run the ball and so if you just put Jimmy Graham up the seam, right? I would have loved to see at least one Taysom Hill throw because it's frustrating. I'm sure it's frustrating for Derek Carr. It's frustrating for me to watch when you put Taysom Hill in there and you try to run a stretch play and you lose four yards on first down. And then all of a sudden your quarterback goes in with one fewer down and four extra yards he has to pick up. Uh, and so, you know, I would have liked to see them at least get a little more creative, but it's week one you're still installing to a certain extent. Like you're not at the, you're, I don't think you're at the peak of your offense in week one, especially with a new quarterback. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe Taysom is still kind of 
dealing with that oblique injury. He didn't miss any practice this week. He wasn't on the injury report. So he's not hurt, but that doesn't mean that he is 100%. Maybe that had something to do with it. Either way, I think, you know, I think you were trying to just get something going with Derek Carr and get the protection right and trying to do too much there, you know, maybe wouldn't have worked. But yeah, I would have, I was surprised you didn't see him more in the first half than, than anything else. Uh, K Moliere 504 says, I thought Williams did okay given the lackluster line. Yeah, when I, when I, I don't want to criticize Jamal Williams too much. Like, I don't think anything he did was wrong. I think it's more just, the ceiling you have with him as your RB1 is real and you're going to have to block for him. And they just were not able to do that today. And I think it's just more of kind of reality setting in of like, okay, this is what the run game is going to look like. Maybe not as, as, as anemic as it was today in terms of not even three yards in a cloud of dust, like one and a half yards in a cloud of dust. Um, but it's not going to be dynamic, right? Maybe Kendra Miller when he's out there can be, but, I don't think we're going to see a dynamic run game until week four. Marco Hernandez says he was there. I'm feeling better now. You can probably hear in my voice. It's not not all the way there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was it was rough. I was in rough shape on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, but I've been I've been slowly working my way back. 504 Coast has any word on Turner? No, we haven't got any uh, injury updates for him yet. Um, but I'm sure we will shortly. WW says should consider using Jimmy Graham more in the red zone. Yeah, we didn't really see Jimmy Graham much today. He was out there for a few snaps. I'm interested to see exactly how many snap counts he got, but definitely wasn't a big day for him. And another from WW, Saints apparently have an affinity for drafting injury-prone defensive ends in the first round. <laughs> Except for the one that they drafted in the first round that it, like literally never gets hurt, which is Cam Jordan. So before my voice completely lets me down, let's wrap this up. My name is Jeff Nowak. Thanks, everyone, for being in here. This has been our post game podcast saints 16 titans 15 this is inside black and gold you can follow me on twitter at jeff underscore no i can follow my co-host steve geller at steve geller wwl he's currently coasting the post game show on wwl radio if you have any comment any more comments hit me up dms are open on twitter make sure to check out the latest content over at wwl.com and again i'm sorry for missing the episode last week we'll be going back to our three episode cycle Starting with this episode, this is going to be the first episode of the week, and we'll try to post Wednesday and on a preview episode on Friday, and that's going to be kind of the schedule throughout the season. Obviously, this week and any road game will have travel, so it's going to mess with some things. At least I'll have to travel, so we're going to work that out, and I'll be on the sideline next week out in Carolina. But again, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. All right, y'all. Be easy. Peace. Oh, you go Saints.